0: Kia ora, and welcome to the Have to Travel show. I am your host, Helen Browns from Cruise Planners, and today it is my honor and complete delight to have on the show Ashley Vaughan from Brendan Vacations, and today we're going to get to talk about the Emerald Isle, and for those of you who don't know what the Emerald Isle is, it's that little place called Ireland. Welcome to the show, Ashley, and thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be with us. Thanks, Helen, for having me. Oh, believe me, it's a complete pleasure because Ireland is on one of those things that's on my bucket list to do. So I try, and I've actually seen a lot of clients there, and it's um, one of those places I really, really want to go to because they keep telling me all these things, and I keep mm-hmm. hearing a lot of similarities between Ireland and New Zealand, so I'd like to go see them for myself. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> now, um, Brendan Vacations has a lot of different tours that you can do around Ireland and different ways you can get around Ireland. But let's talk about some of the hidden secrets that not many people know about and they might need to get a little bit off the beaten path to go and see them. So they're not going to be on the regular tour route. They may have to drive off the route to get to them. So what's some of the hidden secrets of Ireland? So to, to
1: talk about the hidden secrets, let's talk about the basics. Um, okay. Most people who travel to Ireland will go either into Dublin or into Shannon. Uh, Dublin is on the east coast of Ireland, and Shannon is on the west coast. And then they usually drive around the southern loop. So they'll go down to the Cliffs of Moher, the Ring of Kerry, generally through Barney or Bunratty, Waterford is usually on there, and then end in the opposite direction. So that's what I'd say 90% of people who travel to Ireland do. And you definitely want to hit the basics. But there are certainly okay. things along the way that are very, very cool that you also want to be sure that you're, you're checking out. Um, one of the places that I absolutely love is Killarney. The village of Killarney is fantastic. And we always stay there two nights on our guided trips. Um, I personally would l- like to stay a little bit longer, like three or four nights, because mm-hmm. from Killarney, there's So much to see and do. And what I love about Killarney and what I love about Ireland is how much you can do outside. So a lot of people think of Ireland for a little bit of the history, Guinness, going into a pub, um, probably the Blarney Stone, and then again the Cliffs of and the Ring of Kerry. And those are all great things to do. But what I fell in love with in my many trips there is going and being outdoors. Killarney is a village that sits right on the most spectacular national park. It's 25,000 square kilometers. And within the park itself, huge. Within the park itself, there's three lakes. There are castle ruins. There's a 17th century farmhouse. There's a waterfall. There's huge expanses of fields where these wild Irish deer roam free. And it's just the most amazing place to Take a walk, take a hike, ride bikes, go fishing, go out on the lake. It's just such a cool outdoor place. So
0: Killarney for me is a must-see, must-do. And whereabouts an island is Killarney? It's on the south west coast.
1: So it's actually um, on the, it's at the head of what they call the Barra Peninsula, which is the peninsula you do the Ring of Kerry from. So Killarney is usually a jumping-off point for most people, to enjoy the Ring of Kerry now okay so that area right there is about four peninsulas and the one that's just on top of the Barrow Peninsula is called Dingle Peninsula and that's another great hidden treasure it is so charming and I was actually just talking to somebody about Ireland last week and we were talking about the difference between the Ring of Kerry and the Ring of Dingle and we were both saying how much we love the Dingle Peninsula more than the Ring of Kerry. And I said, but why? And he goes, I don't know. I can't tell you. And it's, you can't
0: really put it into words, but it it's just better. I don't know why, but it's just better. <laughs> there are some places where you go to, you can't, and I totally agree, you just can't put your finger on why it's better than somewhere. It just has that feel about it. It may even the does. look about it. It Yeah, it's just, because I, I know there's places like that um, where I go to, and I go well. I like that much And they're like, why? And I'm like, and I stand, and I'm like the guy I just standing. And I'm like, because it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't explain. It. So I totally get where they're coming from with that. It, it, it is okay.
1: exactly like that. And it's it's funny because the distance between from the Dingle Peninsula, you can see the Barra Peninsula when there's no clouds, no rain, of course. Um, so it's really, really close. And but yet it's night and day in experience. Just. The views that you have are different. The villages that are along the way are different. It's just completely different, even
0: though it's right next to each other, which is really interesting. Oh, that is interesting. especially Yeah. Because yeah. like you said, they're so close to each other. So being that different is amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, what makes okay.
1: it really cool is the fact that these areas are on something called the Wild Atlantic Way. So it's probably my favorite thing in Ireland, and it begins in the village of Cork. And it runs the coastline all the way around up um, to the north and ends around Donegal. So that whole expanse of coastline is called the Wild Atlantic Way. And as you travel from Cork to Donegal, it's interesting because you do see different um, types of landscapes along mm-hmm. that one coast. So you can do the Ring of Kerry, you see Jingle Peninsula, And then you go up to an area called the Burren, which was like the ancient seabed when Ireland was underwater. And so it has the most unique flora that and fauna that are living in that area. It looks like Mars. It looks like these giant rocks, but it has plants that grow there that don't grow anywhere else in the world. And then right on top of that is the Cliffs of Moher. And then you're in Galway, which is totally different from the rest. So doing that stretch of the wild Atlantic way is, probably hands
0: down one of my favorite things to do in ireland oh excellent and i like the idea of the different um the different uh, flora and fauna as well because i know many gardeners and they like to see when they go traveling they like to travel to gardens but they like to see things that are native to that area or things that Mm -hmm. don't grow anywhere else but that area so they're going to love that
1: yeah, it's very cool. And, and again, it being just north of Dingle, completely different than everything else that you've seen. And then, again, you're on the most stunning cliffs in the world when you hit the Cliffs of Moore, which are on the edge of the Burren. So it just every single mile that you're traveling along the Wild Atlantic Way is just completely different from the last and it will be completely different from the next.
0: Oh, I really can't wait to travel that run. <laughs> <laughs> Because that just sounds amazing to see such dramatic land um, changes in terrain just in such a short – well, most people won't consider it a short distance, but when you compare it with some other places in the world, it is really a short distance.
1: It really is. I mean, from Killarney, you could be in four different landscapes within an hour of the village. So Mm -hmm. even from Galway to Killarney is maybe only a two-hour drive. So the country itself is, is really small and compact enough that you could see a ton of variety within one day. But it's I think the Wild Atlantic Way is one of those unexpected things. People don't really think about Ireland as an outdoor destination, but there is so much to do outdoor active-wise that makes it mm-hmm. such a great place to visit.
0: Yeah, because a lot of people um, just think of Ireland as the things that they know about it, like the Blarney Stone. They, some mm-hmm. people will say, I've um, heard of Cork. I had one client who went, um, who wanted to go to Ireland, who took her granddaughter to Ireland for her granddaughter's um, trip because she each, um, when the kids turned 13, she would take them on a trip somewhere in the world that she hadn't been and that the kids hadn't mm-hmm. been. This one granddaughter chose Ireland because she'd heard of the Blarney Stone and that was all she knew about Ireland. That's all both mm-hmm. of them knew about Ireland. So right. the whole trip for them was completely unexpected and they didn't know what to expect. Um I've always known Ireland because of the Waterford crystal. Yes. And it's just absolutely gorgeous crystalline. So I've known it for that and the Blarney Stone. And then um, some people also know it um, for, um, of course, for Guinness. hmm um, And I always remember somebody one time told me that you have, the way that you can tell a Guinness, is, and you can correct me on this, but this is what I got told, is the way you can tell a Guinness mm-hmm. has been poured correctly is that you write your initials in the, in the head when you first get given the glass, and it should still, your initials should still be there when you finish the glass.
1: Yes, but that is actually true. <laughs>
0: and, it, and it takes a while to pour the Guinness correctly because of the amount of time, because something to do with the aeration well, it, and everything else.
1: Yeah, exactly. The way the Guinness is made, it's not made as a beer that you should instantly drink. And in fact, if you go into a pub and you order a Guinness and they set it on the, the bar, a lot of Americans will snatch it out of their hands. And um the bartenders will yell at them because it's not settled. It hasn't finished settling itself. So what it does is the foam and the beer itself will separate. And so you should have a, we call it the blonde and the black skirt. It should be completely white on the top and completely black on the bottom. <laughs> and then you know it's ready.
0: Wow, that sounds awesome. Because Yeah, I know in New Zealand that um New Zealanders are a little more patient when it comes to Guinness. <laughs> You know better. <laughs> yeah, they. I don't know. I mean, there's there's a lot of Irish descendants in New Zealand, so I guess they do know better. Right. <laughs> but then there's a big Irish population around the New York area too, where the Irish settled in the New York New York area too. So, yeah, it's interesting to see the different um, the different cultures and how some will wait and some just drink it straight away. And I always, yeah, I always remember being told that about the about the head to write your initials in the top and a good one means that they'll be still there at the bottom. And yep. I always remember um, yep, sure. people getting their Guinness and that was the first thing they would do is put their initials in the top. And I asked somebody, like, the first time I heard about it, I asked somebody, why are you doing that? And they said, that's the way we know that the Guinness has been pulled correctly. And that's how <laughs> I found out about that. <laughs> I'm just like, amazing what you pick up when you talk to people in a pub. <laughs> right. Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Okay, so what's another hidden gem of Ireland that we could go and explore?
1: So one of my other favorite things about Ireland that a lot of people get wrong is how delicious the food is. So when I'm talking to people and we're talking about Ireland, they say, oh, well, I don't really like lamb or I don't really like um, pub food. I don't like uh, pub dudes and things like that. Yeah, and and I look at them and I go, well, that's great. I'm glad you're going to Ireland because they don't really do any of that. So they do have (laughs) lamb there, obviously, in Ireland. But what's interesting that people don't know is back in the 80s, um, Ireland, the Irish government actually was trying to improve tourism. And so they pumped a lot of money into the hotel um, properties and into training for the culinary arts. And what they did was as people were going to culinary school, they would actually require them to spend a year abroad in France, Germany, Italy, some of the more classic Um, culinary destination and go to school there. And so what ended up happening was all of these Irish people were going to Italy and France and they were learning the traditional ways of cooking. And then they came home and they started using local ingredients fused with the technique that they learned. And as a result, some of the most amazing restaurants are in Ireland. It's, It's so bad if you like food, that when I went to France this summer, I actually considered doing a stopover in Dublin just to eat at one of my favorite restaurants. The food (laughs) is just fantastic there. Now, they have pub grub, obviously, and it's really good, so don't shy away from it. Um, But a lot of people don't realize just how many really great farm-to-table culinary experiences there are in Ireland.
0: I love those farm-to-table experiences because of the fresh organic um produce that they use, and there's nothing like um fr- you know when you get that fresh produce that's being prepared mm-hmm. correctly and the flavors from it and how they how they infuse different flavors together and everything else. I just love how it um some some dishes literally dance across the palate, and I'm right, not, and there are some foods that I have allergies to, but those that I don't, and when I get them and I enjoy them, if it's done correctly, you should have a great experience with dining. And so I love oh, yeah. that, especially the fresh produce to the table thing. I love that idea. I love that concept. Yeah, and,
1: and you have a lot of things throughout Ireland. So you have great restaurants, like in Dublin. One of my favorites is Fallon um, and Burn, which is just off of the main um, Exchequer Street, which is in downtown Dublin. In Galway, my favorite restaurant is called The Key, uh, spelled Q U A Y. Really delicious local ingredients. Galway's a is a sea town so it's got a lot of seafood in their dishes but then you have places down in the south where um they do a lot of we actually have an experience on one of our guided trips where you go out with a local expert and you pick up seaweed edible seaweed that you then take back clean and you make a dish out of it so seriously yeah with seaweed (laughs) how cool
0: is that
1: yeah very cool right
0: (laughs) That a, oh, that's an awesome experience. Oh, I'm I'm in for that one.
1: <laughs> yeah. I love the cooking ones myself. So I, w- I was pleasantly surprised because I thought it was going to be kind of Scotland Part 2, but it definitely is different. It's very different. And talking about food allergies, you know, a lot of people in Ireland are actually celiac and gluten intolerant. So every almost every single restaurant you go to will have a gluten-free menu. Um, because about eighty percent of the people in Ireland are either celiac or gluten intolerant. I did not know that. Mhm. So it's a great place if you have food allergies. They're they're easy to
0: work with. <laughs> well, here's here's the thing though: is that my food allergies don't exist outside the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> with the exception of onions, because the reaction I have with onions, I'm too scared to try them when I go anywhere else. But as far right. as my dairy and my um, gluten, and what else have I got, soy, and nuts, as far as those four mm-hmm. things go, if I'm in Europe or back home in New Zealand or in Australia, I have no, I, I pig out on ice cream. Ice cream is my mm-hmm. favorite, one of my favorite food groups, but I can't eat it in the U.S. because of the way they process their dairy. It's not that I'm lactose like intolerant because I can tolerate it anywhere else in the world. In fact, in, right. our, in our kitchen, I have Irish butter, Irish made butter imported from Ireland. It's the um, best, right? Oh, my gosh. It is so good. It reminds me of New Zealand butter, and I can't get that here in the States. But it's it's rich, and it's creamy, and I have no reactions to it. Yet if I go and get yeah. butter here in the States, I have reactions. So, um, funny. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't matter when I go to Europe because I won't have the food allergy issue. <laughs> Except well, for the yeah, onions. and
1: since you like ice cream, I'll give you an insider tip. In oh, Dingle and in Killarney is the best ice cream place in the world, and it's called the Dingle Ice Cream Company. And the flavors they have are things like Irish brown bread that actually has brown bread in it or Jameson flavored or Irish whiskey flavored ice cream that actually has whiskey in it. But my favorite flavor is when they take the lemon lime and they mix it with the gin flavor ice cream and it tastes just like a gin and tonic. (laughs) It actually sounds very weird and it's some of the best ice cream I've ever had. It's,
0: Yeah, I was kind of a little nervous when you said the brown bread, and I'm like, okay, where's this going? (laughs) (laughs) But then it improved.
1: I'm
0: I'm not a drinker, but I know people who are going to like the whiskey-flavored one and the gin and tonic type of one, so, you know, they're going to have a good time with those ones. (laughs)
1: Yeah, the gin and tonic doesn't have alcohol in it, but the whiskey does. So it does say on okay. the sign if it, if it contains alcohol or not. But, yeah, they've got great, they've got dingle sea salt flavor, which is like a vanilla, delicious.
0: So some of the more traditional flavors as well. Oh, Get my mouth watering now. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that because, you know, I don't know, do they talk about those on any of the tours? Those ice cream? They places? don't really. Or that's kind of.
1: That's kind of my hidden treasure that I discovered when I was in Killarney because, again, I, I travel to eat and drink. So whenever – those are my little nuggets of uh, information that I like to pass on.
0: <laughs> I think I'm going to have to organize a, um, a food and beverage trip to Ireland where we go around these different restaurants, these little small places and stuff, and basically eat, our, eat and drink our way around Ireland. I think that's a brilliant idea. And the best part is there's always something
1: great to discover, no matter what little village you're in. Um, mm-hmm. And that's part of the beauty of being in Ireland is just kind of getting lost. So whether you like to do a self-drive or you want to have a chauffeur, or even if you're on a guided vacation, you have free time in the trip, to just go yeah. out at night and kind of find the best place to eat in the little village you're in, that's part of the experience. And that's what makes the food and drink so good is the company that
0: you're with. Excellent. Yeah, I like that idea of a – yeah, I'm going to start looking into that one. Um, Yeah. We might have to talk about that one a little further. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you mentioned um, self-drive and chauffeur-driven. So let's talk Mm -hmm. about the different ways people can see Ireland apart from the traditional escorted tour where they're on a bus, get driven around, Mm -hmm. stopped, let off, and all that sort of stuff. So what other ways can – instead of doing a a guided tour where they're on a bus with 40 other people – or, you know, 30 to 40 people, how else can they see Ireland if they want to do it a little, they don't want to be with the big groups, they want to be smaller. So what other options are available to them?
1: So we actually have three different ways that you can travel through Ireland in what we call independently. So you're independent of a traditional travel directory group. And it all is based on how much support you need while you're there and how much structure you want to your trip. So the most supported and most structured independent option that we have is the show well, the most supported option I should say, is the chauffeur drive. So we'll actually plan out your itinerary ahead of time and you can always mix and match accommodation. So if you wanted to do like a four star hotel in Dublin and then a castle stay one night and then a couple of B and Bs along the way, we can always mix and match that for you. But with the chauffeur, you actually have a dedicated driver guide who's with you the entire duration of your trip. And what they do is they're basically your your personal guide. They know a general idea of what you want to do because we've kind of planned out your itinerary ahead of time. But as you're driving around the Ring of Kerry and you see the Dingle Peninsula in the distance and you're like, that looks like a cool place. I want to check that out. You can let your mm-hmm. driver know and they can actually modify the itinerary for you.
0: Or, so, they it's, can also so it's a make flexible, flexible itinerary.
1: Totally flexible. So it, it is somewhat it's pre planned in essence um, as far as where you're staying and kind of a general direction. But mm-hmm. as you're traveling along, you can definitely do other things. And again, the guy, the driver is going to make suggestions too. So if you think that you want to do this certain experience because you've heard about it, all your friends told you about it. And your chauffeur gets to know you, and they say, you know, I really just don't think you're going to enjoy that. Maybe do this instead, so they can kind of help you fine tune your experience while you're there.
0: Oh, awesome! Never been driven yeah. around on a tour for, with a private chauffeur. Hmm. It's, it's and
1: it <laughs> sounds expensive, but it's actually not. So it's very affordable. It just allows you to go where you want to go with a little bit of guidance and
0: a little bit of support, which is nice. Excellent. Okay, so we've got the private chauffeur. What's the, what's the next yep. option?
1: So the next option is a little bit less support,
0: but it's more
1: structured. And that's our locally hosted rail trip. So this is a little bit different. Um, with the chauffeur, you can literally go anywhere you want in Ireland. With the rail trips, they're actually pre-set up packages, um, that visit certain cities. Now, the train system in Ireland is not like the train system in Europe where, you know, trains are constantly running everywhere. That's how people get mm-hmm. around. They don't yep. get around that way in Ireland. So um, there is a train that goes basically from Dublin to Killarney and Dublin to Galway and Dublin to Belfast. So those are kind of the three variations of the locally hosted trip. While you're in each city, you will be in touch with a local host. So, for instance, in Dublin, It's the most adorable little elf you've ever seen. His name is George. He looks like Santa Claus. He is phenomenal. (laughs) And George is born and raised in Dublin, so he knows everything you'd ever want to know. And he kind of sits down with you the first day and says, okay, here's what you need to know about Dublin. Here are some things that I think you should check out or you might be interested in. And then George kind of goes away unless you need him again. So, okay. In each city you travel to, you have a new local host uh, who will give you the same kind of information, and, um, again, the trip itself is kind of preset. You can't really change it up any, um,
0: but you have a little bit of support in your local host. Excellent. Um, And then what's the next option? The next option is for the daredevils in the world, and that's the self drive.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I basically tell people we give you your accommodations and a car, and then we unleash you on the Irish people, and and that's kind of true. We have some suggested itineraries, but basically with a self-drive, you don't have any support because you're on your own doing your own thing the whole time, and it's not structured at all because you can go anywhere you want, anytime you want. The only Mm -hmm. thing that we recommend is because this year Ireland and Scotland have both been – Hugely popular destinations. So, we do highly, highly recommend that you pre book all of your accommodations as early as possible if you're going to do an Ireland or Scotland vacation um, because there's a very high likelihood that a lot of availability will be sold out if you wait too long. So we kind of put your accommodations together. We give you a car rental. We do give you 100% coverage on that car. So when you knock off the mirrors or you run into a wall, it's not a big deal. You'll be completely covered. And then you can go anywhere you'd like to go and see anything you'd like to see.
0: Excellent. Now, is there something going on in Ireland and Scotland at the moment that's causing all the – for it to be popular destinations, or is it just part of the – destination cycle where that happens to be their turn this time to be the most popular destination?
1: You know, it has been very popular in the last couple of years. Um, I think it was in 2014 they had the gathering. So they started kind of calling people of Irish descent to come home. And ever since then, it's been a very popular destination. The reason that it's seeing even more traffic uh, this year and into next year is because of the things happening in Europe. A lot of people feel more secure, more safe going to Ireland and Scotland. Um, so it's seeing a, a huge surge in popularity
0: because of that. That's interesting. I always yeah. like to find out why places suddenly become popular if there's, you know, if there's something going on. Now, I read somewhere not long ago, oh, when was it, a few months ago or something, because when you mentioned the gathering in Ireland, I thought, didn't Scotland do something at the same time or the year after it or something? There's something around the same the time. Yep.
1: The year after. The, I the year thought. after, yeah. I can't remember what they called theirs. It was something similar, like the homecoming or something <laughs> like that. But basically, yeah. they go, hmm, Ireland did it and it worked. We should try that too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, cause I remember hearing something about the Scottish gather, the Scottish homecoming, or, yeah, I think it was the homecoming. When you say homecoming, yeah. was, there, that rings the bell. And I thought, oh, dang, I would have loved to go in Scotland during the homecoming thing. Then I could have gone home to um, Inverness, which is where my ancestors are from, from Scotland. But um, ah. But apparently, I have. Ancestors. I have a second-great-grandmother who was born in the police barracks in Dublin, but but I don't know where her parents came from, whether they were Irish or whether they were from England across there when she happened to be born. We don't know the story of how it was that she came about to be born in the police barracks in Dublin.
1: So a good place for you to check out, then, and anybody else who's kind of in a similar situation, is a little tiny town near Cork. And it's called Cove, and it's spelled C-O-B-H. That used to be known as Queenstown when Ireland was still under British rule. And it was the last port of call for every single uh, ship and every single immigrant that came from Scotland and Ireland. So they have a massive research database there for ancestry. They also have the most amazing museum to go through to kind of get a feeling of what it was like for these people as they were immigrating or leaving, you know, their home to come to America. So it's a really cool stop for people that have ties to either Ireland or Scotland.
0: Sweet. I did not know about that little place. And genealogy is one of my – I have many interests, but genealogy is, like, right at the top of the list. I can spend Mm -hmm. hours on that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, one of those it's things very, that I can get lost in it very easily.
1: <laughs> yes, it's very popular, and it's so cool to hear the stories of people that are distant relatives. Um, I, I do ancestry as well, so um, it is very interesting to see the places that your family has been and
0: learn a little bit more about their history. Excellent. I've definitely, that's definitely going on my list now when I do my ancestral trip through England and Scotland. To go mm-hmm. over there because I want to find out more about this um, second great grandmother who was born in Ireland and find out was her, per- were her parents from Ireland were they from England was you know why was she over there why was it why was she, she was born, born in a police
1: barracks that's what I want to know
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's the other thing too you know the police barracks in Dublin <laughs> like, that's an interesting there is like... an interesting detail of the story yes I know so I'm kind of I you know you see all these shows on TV like um, Genealogy Roadshow and Who Do You Think mm-hmm. You Are. And I love hearing when they when they talk about the stories behind the person that they're looking for and that sort of thing. I'm like, wow. I wonder if I have any cool stories like that. And you know, I've got a <laughs> second great grandmother who was born in the police barracks in Ireland. Why was she even there? <laughs> right.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> so yeah, that that alone is, is a story in itself. So I'm kind of looking forward to unraveling that mystery because the last person in our family who knew about it died oh, about two years ago, I think it was. So um, oh, okay. And she had just made contact with possible relatives in Ireland, and unfortunately she didn't tell me who they were before she passed, so I'm now left with this mystery that I may have cousins in Ireland. <laughs> oh. Definitely got to find them. <laughs> now I have to go find them on the sketchy little bits of the uh, – the, on the little hints. She likes to give little hints every now and again. So on the little hints <laughs> that she's given me, I now have to unravel and try and figure out the mystery. So I'm the greatest puzzle. Of- Yes. So speaking of great stories and things, I understand Mm -hmm. that you got to stay in the Ashford Castle. Indeed. It is fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) A fantastic experience. So tell us about Ashford Castle and how it um, relates with Brendan Travel.
1: So Ashford Castle is is an honest to goodness castle. It was built in 1228. So it is a true castle experience. And I think that's one of the things that makes Ireland and Scotland so unique is that you can stay in legitimate actual castles. Ashford was the the history behind it is that it was the seat of the last high king of Ireland. So back when Ireland was ruled by Picts and Celts and had all of the different clans, the high king of Ireland um, was building Ashford. The English came in and, and started ruling Ireland. And the Ashford Castle eventually came into the hands of the Guinness family. So the Guinness family purchased it and they lived there for a long time. And then it was sold to private owners and it was opened up as a hotel. So I think it's been three years ago now. Our parent company, we were part of a family of brands called the Travel Corporation. Um, We have sister companies like UniWorld River Cruises and um, Trafalgar Tours. And they purchased Ashford Castle, and they completely refurbished it. It was it's the the most magnificent place, um, but it was starting to get a little tired, a little old. And our parent company, the Travel Corporation, has a chain of hotels called the Red Carnation Hotels. Oh, and nice. they are the ones, yes, you know, they they decorate all the Uniworld ships and they have about 20 yep. boutique properties around the world. I don't know that Ashford can be considered a boutique property, um, but it is now part of the Red Carnation Collection. And it's it's fantastic. I mean, the rooms are just beautifully appointed. They're all different. They've put a lot of time and energy into not only restoring Ashford, but also um, really making it better, making it more modern, and making it beautiful. Actually, I was talking to one of my colleagues last week, and they said they didn't refurbish Ashford. They, oh, how did she put it? They basically were taking it back to its old glory. So oh, almost wow. like a, historic, a national historic place. They're kind of protecting the future of it. And what's so beautiful about this place is that it's in a great location. It's right on the edge of the most amazing uh, lake called Loch La Corrib, and you can take boats out on the lake. There's actually, when we stay there as part of our guided trip, we take a boat trip into the castle, and the captain is a historian. A boat trip so into we, the castle? Yeah, we actually take a boat to the castle itself, and the oh, captain the of that boat is a is a history uh, historian of the castle. And so it gives you a little bit of the story, and then you're escorted into the castle by a piper. So it's a pretty oh. grand experience. <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> it's,
1: it's very cool. But it, it's, um, it's right on the edge of this lake. There's a lot of things to do with the castle itself, but it's also in the closest town is a little village called Kong. Kong has a little uh, church. So you can mm-hmm. actually ride bicycles from the castle into the village of Kong, into the church, and there's a lot of stuff to do in Kong itself in the area. And we've heard that the owners of our parent company are also looking to refurbish a few of the buildings in Kong as well. So kind of helping that village stay um, relevant and, and make sure it retains its history for years to come. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about Ashford is that Nothing has been changed so that it's modern. It's keeping it within its landscape, making sure that it still fits in with where where it is, which is really cool.
0: So they basically restored it back to how it was, but at the same time put some modern conveniences in, but tried mm-hmm. kept it as historically, kept it as historic-looking as possible.
1: Yeah, keeping it historically relevant. And then, of course, it's part of the red carnation chain. And so the level of, ex- of service is really what's unique about ashford now the fact that i just had clients that stayed there and um the hotel called me and said okay we know that this family is coming tell us some of the things that they like and we'll make sure that we put them in their room for them so i I let them know yeah i let them know that um we they really liked whiskey for instance and so they had Mm -hmm. a special whiskey in the room Or that their daughter really loved horseback riding, and so they made arrangements for her to go horseback riding one day. So they, it's a really high level of attention to detail that you experience at Red Carnation, and so that of course is is ever present at Ashford. And then the castle itself has a lot of activities. There's um, of course horseback riding. There's golf. There's a nine hole golf course on property that you can use. um, The bicycles I mentioned, but one of the really Attractions of Ashford is the falconry, so you can actually go really? and fly the falcons, yes, which is a very
0: cool experience. I would love to give that a go. Yeah, it's, I would it's, love it's, to it's a really it. cool yeah.
1: thing. There's not a lot of places that do it, and even in Ireland, there's maybe two or three, a handful. Um, so they have different owls that they keep in there, and in, in where they keep the birds, and they bring them out, and then you can fly the falcon. So it's it's really cool. It's this massive bird, and it's super heavy, sitting on your arm, and you give it the signal, and it flies out to a tree, and it comes back and lands on your arm, and you think it's going to be so heavy, but it just
0: lands so gently, you can barely even feel it. It's wow. it's an amazing thing to experience. Oh, I would totally love that experience. <laughs> now, it's very if I cool. recall if i recall correctly from some of the itineraries some of your itineraries include stays at the ashford
1: yeah one of our trips is called iconic ireland and ashford castle and it actually includes a night at ashford which is really fantastic because again ashford only has
0: about 85 guest rooms so it fills up very very quickly oh well, that's a nice that's a nice number and looking at the I mean people would think, you know, eighty five rooms, that's not that's not a very big hotel, but when you actually see the size of a castle um It's <laughs> it's, it's pretty big. So I've been to their website and I've seen the, the I've taken the um watched the video that they have on the website. Mm-hmm. And you know, just checked it out, like checked out their pictures and that. And it just seems to go on forever and it just seems so huge and yet it's only got eighty five guest rooms in it. And so yeah. like, hang on, there seems to be a mismatch between size and occupants. I guess they've got <laughs> Yeah, the, of the hotel room is pretty
1: large. I will say, my my only complaint about Ashford Castle was when I was laying in bed, my room was so big that the remote control wasn't strong enough to control the TV on the other side of the room. <laughs> so, I mean, if, if that's your problem, you're probably not doing too badly, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> like you can you can look at all the pictures that you want on the on the web about Ashford Castle, but you don't actually get a full appreciation on the size of the rooms
1: so right, learning
0: exactly. that that's your remote control may not be able to control the tv on the other side yes <laughs> that, I mean, yeah, that, it's that it's makes sense first world problem but... <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but i must say looking at the um at when i looked at the website all i remember is seeing the rooms were absolutely fantastic i mean the decor in the rooms was just amazing and I don't think I ever saw any room that was the same that looked the same as another room. They all looked like they were uniquely decorated. And they were just yeah. absolutely stunningly beautiful looking rooms.
1: They really are. They've like I said, they've put a lot of attention to detail and refurbishing it and and it's interesting because Astro Capital is one of those things where you want to spend a lot of time there because there is so much to do on the property. So mm-hmm. even on our guided trips, we get there as early as we can on the first day so that people have pretty much all afternoon to do the golf or the falconry or whatever it is they want, and then we leave really late the next day. So, again, you have the morning to go out and ride bicycles or take a walk or whatever it is that you want to enjoy at the castle. So plenty of time to, to get those activities in.
0: Oh, except that if somebody's doing like a self-drive or a the, or the chauffeur-driven one, They'd be able to book um, a couple of nights there if they wanted to to be able to really get get the feel of the place and enjoy the activities that are there.
1: Yeah, for sure. You could definitely do a couple of days there. Now, Ashford Castle, as you can imagine, when you're booking in as part of a self-drive, it can be a little bit expensive. An average night at Ashford is about $700 a night. Um, But on property, they also have the lodges. So if you're looking for something that's a little bit more economical, maybe you want to stay like a week or so in that area, there are other options right there um,
0: on the castle property as well. Oh, okay. So the rooms aren't just in the hotel. They also have lodges available too.
1: Yeah, they have the Ashford Lodges, which are not actually part of the castle itself. It's a separate set of buildings, but it is within the grounds of Ashford
0: Castle. Ah. And they have access to everything that the castle, the guests staying in the castle have access to? So they're still able to do exactly. the veterinary. Oh, yep. awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's handy to know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, yeah, because some people will be going, $700 a night, and I'm like, yeah, but you're staying in a castle. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, and, and most people, I will say that most people who do a self-drive usually do a one-night castle stay just for kind of the flavor of it. Um, yep. So staying in a mix of hotels and B and B's things like that. So I I would say very rarely do I ever see people that are spending like a week at Ashford Castle itself. Um, but it doesn't mean that you can if you want to. It's definitely worthwhile if <laughs> if you got the time and you got the money to do that.
0: Well, I'm one of those people that when I'm doing my self-drive things, I like to st- I love staying at B and B's because you get to know the mm-hmm. local people. Um, being the traveler that I am instead of the tourist. Um, mm-hmm. but I also like to plan somewhere along the way to have one or two nights of luxury. Exactly. Just where it's going to be, you know, you might have heard of some hotels. So in this case, during Ireland, I would quite happily drive around and do B&Bs um, mm-hmm. or the, um, um, I don't know if they have, do they have the pub hotels in Ireland where they have the hotels above the pubs? Uh, some of the b and mm-hmm. yeah, are above the pubs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in some yeah, of the hotels. Yeah, because those are pretty cool I places. say the one in Galway. Yeah, yeah. So it's not the not the cheapest places, but also you know the moderate type places. But then plan for one or two nights at some luxury place. So driving around Ireland, I would do all the B and Bs, do the, the moderate hotels, but then I would splurge and probably do one to two nights at the Ashford, just because mm-hmm. it's an experience and something that I can you know talk about. I got to stay in a castle. <laughs> exactly.
1: And driving around Scotland,
0: I will probably do the same thing there too. <laughs>
1: We call it an authentic accommodation because there's nothing like Ashford Castle anywhere else in the world. It was just voted world best hotel. So, I mean, you can't put an Ashford Castle in the United States or South America or even Europe and have a similar type of experience. So it is one in a one-of-a-kind, once-in-a-lifetime kind of place.
0: Yeah, and those are that the sort of experiences when I'm doing self-drive that I want to have one or two nights like that. It's like when I when I eventually get to Dubai, I'm saving up for that one because I want to spend at least one night at the Baja Rob. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that's on my big big bucket list is to spend yeah, one night definitely. there. Yeah. Now I to so, we'll you know, tell you
1: another little nights. another little secret, kind of on the opposite coast, outside of Dublin. So when everybody goes to Dublin, they always stay in Dublin. And Dublin's a cool city, but there's not a whole lot to do there. Um so okay. something we started we kind of focused on this year is Dublin's doorstep. And if you're staying on a self-drive or if you're doing a self-drive, it gives you the flexibility of getting out into the countryside and finding some of those really great gems that are not in the city center of Dublin because Dublin obviously only has hotels. Um, but with Dublin's Doorstep, you can be in County Meath, nice, uh, in Kildare, down in the Wicklow Mountains, and staying in some really fantastic castle-like hotels. Um, like Powerscourt Hotel is absolutely amazing it's got some beautiful gardens and a historic house so there's some really cool little properties outside of dublin if you want to get out of the i say i jokingly say the hustle and bustle of the city because dublin is not even nearly as busy as anything we have here um but it it can be somewhat busy (laughs) compared to ireland so dublin's doorstep and those
0: surrounding areas are a great option if you're thinking about a self-drive
1: to kind of do something a little bit different
0: Oh, that would be nice because I'm one of those people. that I want to get out and meet the locals. And so if Mm -hmm. I can stay, instead of staying in the middle of the city, I'd rather stay Mm -hmm. on the outskirts where I can go and meet with the locals and stuff.
1: Yeah, and a lot of people people think that they want to go into Dublin, and, and it is a great place. But, again, I think staying out in the, like you said, in the little villages surrounding are fantastic and meeting the locals. And I actually have a funny story about that. So my boss was in Ireland years ago. And he was staying in this little tiny village, and he was supposed to be there one night. So he was down in the hotel restaurant, and he was talking to the waitress, and the waitress said, oh, well, everybody in the village goes out to the pub afterwards, or after work, so why don't you meet us there? So he goes down to the pub, and he gets mixed up with about six or seven local people. They end up drinking all night until the pub shuts down. So he goes back to his room. And he crashes. The next morning, they're knocking on the door, Mr. Worthing, Mr. Worthing. And he kind of garbles something, and they go, you'll be staying another night? And he goes, yes. And this happened four nights in a row. So (laughs) what was supposed to be one night turned into a week-long trip in this one little village because he kept getting hung up with the locals, hanging out, uh, getting to know them. And now even when he goes back to Ireland, he still hooks up with those people and gets in touch with them.
0: And then at least is so cool.
1: <laughs> and <laughs> that that's what so Ireland cool. is all about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but see, that's what I like because even though I haven't been there yet, everybody that comes back from Ireland talk about how friendly the people are, and they say when you get out of the cities, you meet the best people there, and they're kind of on their own timetable. They're laid back. Nothing, you know, <laughs> they don't rush on anything. You know, like pouring a Guinness, for example, that's an, a very good example on how you don't rush anything. Um, right. You know, but they take their time to do things, and they do it right. And when it comes to eating, it's not just eat, eat and run type of thing. It's eat, sit back, have a drink or two while you eat, and and meet mm-hmm. with the people and stuff. And that's what I think um, a lot of people miss out on when they when they stay in the center of the place. They don't venture too far from their the hotel that they're assigned to for the night for their tour. Um, mm-hmm. Yet those that that are a little more adventurous and decide to go and stay in these little villages they have the best times because they get to experience the culture. And that's what I absolutely love about being a traveller rather than a tourist is experiencing that culture and you get experiences that no tourist is ever going to get because they mm-hmm. won't leave the comfort of their their zone basically. You know, here's our right. hotel, we will go no more than five blocks around a radius around <sighs> our hotel. And some of them are literally right. like that. They you know, they want to be here because within five blocks they have this, this, this and this. That they want to go yeah. and see. And they don't want to be away from that. If you put them an extra block away, no, that's not good enough. But you get the travelers, and they're sort of like, oh, I don't care if we I don't care where we're in the city, we'll, we'll figure it out. You know, yeah. And that's what I love. Um, and because I, I know they're going to have of the, the things, best experiences.
1: I think that's one of the things about Ireland. You know, a lot of people ask, why would you go to Ireland? What What is it about Ireland that's so appealing? And it's hard to pinpoint because people travel to Paris. To see the sights, they want to go to Notre Dame, they want to go to the Eiffel Tower, and all of these mm-hmm. iconic things they've seen. And they want to go to London because they want to see all of those iconic places. There's really nothing iconic in Ireland per se. Um, you have the Cliffs of Moher and the Ring of Kerry, which are probably the two experiences everybody should do. But there's not really that one iconic thing that draws people to to Ireland. It is literally mm-hmm. a destination for getting lost, for taking your time, as you said for just kind of exploring off the beaten path. And the beauty of Ireland is that outside of Dublin, everything is off the beaten path. So even on our (laughs) guided trip, we stay in little villages like Kinsdale and Connemara out on the coast where they're, you know, mining the marble and everything. And it's just you're, you're always in a great little village. So even on a guided itinerary, you're guaranteed to get immersed in the culture and you're guaranteed to get into these little tiny towns. And it's just such an amazing destination. It is so friendly. People are incredibly welcoming there. It's it's as if you're reunited with family you never even knew you had.
0: Oh, that is – and that's that's the experience. That's things that people should take away from Ireland when they go there, Mm -hmm. is exactly what you just said. And I'm not even going to attempt to repeat it because it was so good. (laughs) And if people want to want to hear again what she said, just rewind the rewind the recording a little bit. Exactly. Go back because that was just so beautifully said, and I, I love that that um. But that you said that it's a destination for getting lost. It is. And it is. And it's just one of those places that when you get lost, you're going to come across something that somebody knows somewhere along the way. Yeah,
1: and even if you don't, if you're in a pub and you've got a map, you'll get lots of volunteers that'll help you find something, even if you don't know what you're looking for.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Although I have heard of some experiences that in some pubs where um, they got different answers for different things in different directions to to the same place.
1: That, that is also very possible. I mean, the beauty of Ireland is that everything's a two-lane road, and there's about 15 of them that lead to the same place. So you truly can't ever get lost in essence. Yeah. Um, but you can't just drive around. I mean, the last time I was in Ireland, we actually did a self-drive, and we would just kind of print out a map off of Google. I would download it, and we'd use it offline. Um, and then we just kind of head in the general direction of where we wanted to go. And then if we saw something, we were like, let's go that way, you know. So it it is a cool place to just drive around. And I remember getting home and asking my friend, and I said, what is it, how would you describe Ireland? And they said, it's really about the people. It's about being outside and seeing the cool scenery. And it's about just going at your own pace and kind of experiencing things as you want and, and taking as much time in certain areas and less time in other areas and just, really, it's a destination that's meant to be customized
0: for your own vacation needs,
1: which is what makes it really cool.
0: That is perfect. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't wait to get there um, and see it. So I am so looking forward to going there. And Ashley, I want to say thank you so much for being on the um, the show with us today. This has been um, an eye-opener for me on Ireland because I, I've known some about Ireland, but not a lot. And it's just fired me up so much that I want to go over it, and I really want to do that food tour around Ireland. <laughs> yes. So we will definitely talk about that. So thank you very much for your time today, Ashley. I truly appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Oh my, our pleasure. And for everyone who's listening, if you want to find out more information about Ireland, then please go to Have to Go Ireland. It's H-A-V-E, the number two Go Ireland dot and you'll be able to set up a planning call with us to talk about the trips that you want to do to Ireland. If you want to customize, if you want a guided, escorted tour, however you want to see Ireland, we'll make it happen for you. So until next time, everyone, he kone ra.